Thanks for tuning in to the Ecom Growth Leaders podcast. This show is intended to highlight marketing and conversion techniques taught by today's leaders in the ecom world. I'll be interviewing the top marketers that are influencing the market, making an impact, scaling faster than their competitors, and doing good. I'm your host, Samir Al Kamuni, founder and CEO of Fetch and Funnel, a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. If you enjoy anything from today's episode, I highly recommend checking out fetchfunnel.com and sign up for our email newsletter where I promise to only send you content you can learn from and apply directly into your business to improve results and scale. At the end of each episode, my goal is to have you feeling inspired and fired up by learning from today's top innovators, marketers, and entrepreneurs. Let's dig into another amazing story about a unique brand crushing it and learn from their success and learnings. Hey, everybody, welcome back to an exciting episode of Ecom Growth Leaders. I have Nathan Hirsch here with me, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Ecom Balance. Nathan, thank you so much for joining. Yes, Samir, thanks so much for, for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you, honestly, because I feel like you've got a super interesting experience. So you've you've exited a company, you've got ecom background of running your own ecom business, and now you have ecom balance. Um, so would love to just have you kick off by telling the audience just a little bit about yourself and, and yeah, what, what you've been up to in the past and what you're up to these days. Yeah. So I, I've always been a, a longtime entrepreneur. I, I've never had a, a real job. I started uh, buying and selling people's textbooks in college, competing with my school bookstore uh, before eventually getting a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because I was stealing uh, too much of their business. But this was back in 2008, 2009. Amazon was just kind of getting off the ground. People were starting to sell products besides books. I had created an Amazon account just to sell these textbooks back to Amazon. And, and once I got that cease and desist letter, I started experimenting with other products. And all I had was a dorm room and, and a small amount of money in my bank account. And, and I had the idea of dropshipping before I even knew it was called dropshipping. Um, I didn't even find out that, that term until years later. And I started building relationships with these different manufacturers that they didn't know e-commerce. They didn't know Amazon. They would keep my credit card on file and, and ship the orders where I told them to ship. And I make the margin on the markup. And, and that's really how I, I hit the ground running in the e-commerce space. And I met my my business partner, Connor Gillivan, in school. He was in my business law class. And he was my, my first employee. I eventually made him a, a partner. We, we ended up selling $25 million over six, seven years on Amazon. And had some peaks where we did six, $7 million a year and Amazon started to become harder. It started to become more difficult with algorithm changes and reviews and competitors. And people started to realize what Amazon was and there were courses and consultants. And we never really launched our own brand, but we had built up this army of virtual assistants and freelancers because we realized college kids were just super unreliable and we couldn't count on them to do anything. And we were 20 and we didn't think it was possible that adults would want to work with us. So we hired all these VAs. We got them really good at Amazon listing and customer service. And there wasn't a lot of Amazon software back there. So back then, so it was a lot of manual processes. 
And we started leasing these VAs out to other Amazon sellers that needed a graphic designer or a customer service rep. And our whole spiel was we had vetted people. Um, we trained the original batch, but after that, we would just vet people that already had the skills. We wouldn't train them. We would match them up and we would protect clients if, if anything went wrong. And that became the, the free up marketplace, like free up your time. And we ended up shutting down the Amazon business. Free up was growing fast. We ended up doing a million dollars in the first year, uh, grew to five to nine to 12 uh, before being acquired at the end of, of 2019, uh, right before the pandemic, which is kind of crazy. And the original plan was to take a year off and travel. Um, that obviously didn't happen because of COVID. So we launched a, a course called Outsource School where we would teach our, our hiring process and really use that to, to buy time and figure out what we wanted to do next. And we, we obviously love the e-commerce space. We, we didn't really want to open our own brand. I think we like the, the B2B more than the, the B2C personally. And bookkeeping has always been something that that we've gotten good at. I mean, with our Amazon business at, at first, we, we weren't good, but we were forced to become good to, to make decisions. And with FreeUp, we hired a bookkeeper from day one. We had a good monthly process where we make decisions on books every month. And, and it obviously to, helped us um, past due diligence down the line. So that's kind of where the idea of econ balance came in. And we did a lot of market research and built a team and did a beta round of clients. And we're about six months in at the time of recording this now with 60 clients and hopefully right at the point where we can start scaling. So that's kind of the, the short, long version of how I went from uh, books to dropshipping baby products to, to free up to outsource school to, to econ balance. That's amazing. And I, I think we're going to end up talking about probably each one of those businesses, but I mean, certainly one of the things that, you know, we can dig into, and I think it would be, you know, really interesting and, and, and great for the audience to, to learn from your experience. And, you know, it's around the bookkeeping side, but no one likes bookkeeping. It's not sexy. It's not fun, <laughs> right? To some of us, it might be, but to most, it might not be. And so I want to touch upon like the really important things, right? Like the, the things that are people should be paying attention to people, you know, things that businesses should be on top of, um, you know, and I think there's, there's probably a lot of really important pieces. And, and I think some of them are, are probably different for depending on the size of, of each e-com business. Right. But I'm curious, just, you know, going like 20,000 foot view first, like how should, you know, entrepreneurs and businesses and any e-com businesses kind of have, you know, what, how should they have their accounting set up? And, and I'm curious, you know, how they have it set up in the beginning. Is that how you usually think it should be set up? You know, once they're even hitting a million, five million, ten million, and, and upwards. Yeah, great question. So, super high level, it kind of starts with the mentality that the entrepreneurs should not be doing their own bookkeeping. For, for two reasons. One, it's not a good use of your time. Any time that you spend on bookkeeping, it should be spent on sales, expansion, marketing, figuring out how to actually grow your business. And second of all, most entrepreneurs are not good at bookkeeping, especially e-commerce bookkeeping, and they just have to pay to get it done correctly down the line anyway. And if you're a serious entrepreneur treating this as a business that you want to scale, hiring a bookkeeper from day one is the way to go. We've done that in every business besides the first one and kind of learned that that lesson the, the hard way. 
The second part of it is you really want two separate pieces. You want to have a CPA, a tax person, someone who can focus on that part of it. And then the bookkeeper who's focused on the monthly books and focused on a way of putting it in in terms that you can understand as an entrepreneur. And you should have a meeting on your calendar every single month around the 10th to 15th where you're reviewing the, the income statement, the balance sheet, the cash flow, and you're making decisions based on what the numbers are telling you. You don't want to be only getting reports every quarter or waiting till the end of the year to do all your books. You need monthly decisions or even more frequent than that once you get bigger in order to make those decisions. And the issue a lot of times with hiring a CPA to do your books is they're doing it in a way to file taxes at the end of the year, which isn't necessarily wrong. It just might not give you the information you need to be able to make those decisions. And they also have busy seasons where they might go behind. They're not necessarily set up to do monthly bookkeeping on time every single month. And the real difference as you get bigger is a lot of times you add that third piece, which is a CFO to actually help you make projections and forecasts and higher level decisions in the future. And that's what happens when you get to that three, five, 10, $20 million mark, whether you hire a part-time or outsourced or a full-time CFO, that's that, that third piece that's in there. I love that. Yeah. I mean, even for my own business, I have two QuickBooks. <laughs> I've got one for just taxes. And then I got another one that's like how I run the business and departments are totally different. Operations is different. Sales team is different. Marketing is different, right? Because I want to look at almost cash flow for each of those, right? And look at profitability for each of those and, and identify them you know, completely separate of each other, um, which I feel like an e-commerce business is a little bit different, right? And they may, not, may or may not have a sales team, but they're going to have a marketing team. They're going to have an operations team, right? And I feel like they should be looking at those things completely differently. Efficiencies, where their profitability lies, like what's going on and in order for them to make decisions, like you're saying, reviewing on a monthly basis, but then... But then that doesn't that that doesn't relate to taxes. Like it's totally different than just yeah, what my taxes look like and and how I should look at things at the end of the year. Um, yeah, and I mean you mentioned software, so there's two main softwares, QuickBooks and Zero. If you're not using those two, um, you should switch. I mean there there's other ones out there that are free and, and they're free for a reason. At some point, if you're going to scale your business, you're going to end up switching them anyway. So just use them. Um, from day one. And QuickBooks should be QuickBooks Online. We live in 2022. I know you're a digital nomad. Um, I've been remote my whole life as well. Um, use QuickBooks Online instead of desktop. Again, you're most likely just going to have to convert anyway, unless you're really going to have a bookkeeper come to your office from now till the, the end of time. Um, and, and if you're an e-com business, you also need something to connect to the, the marketplaces. For whatever reason, that there's no great way to use Amazon reports without a lot of manual work to get it to, to reconcile and, and match on, on QuickBooks. Um, and and there, there's some tools out there that are great, some that, that are not. The one that we use is A2X. Um, the first 60 days of running Econ Balance, we just tested all the tools and, and they by far had the least amount of bugs, easiest to use, accurate numbers. And we continue to test other ones as well, but you need some kind of connecting piece. So that kind of should be your setup, either QuickBooks Online or Zero, A2X or some other connecting piece to whatever marketplaces that you work with. And the mentality that you have a monthly finance meeting in your calendar every single month with your business partners, your team leaders, your bookkeepers, whoever it is, to go through everything together, but you're not the one actually going in and reconciling it and doing the bookkeeping. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and especially if you're digital, right? If you're doing e-com, you don't have any physical. Even if you have physical, you can still connect a lot of this stuff, especially if you're on Shopify, using Shopify POS or any of that kind of stuff. But I'm curious, like with the connectors, you know, are there other layers? Are there other software programs that you recommend? Like, are there other pieces that, you know, may not just be bookkeeping, but also could allow a business to, you know, just better manage their better manage their their business and and measuring profitability and and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, so I mean there's tools like Sellerboard that that kind of give you profit snapshots and stuff like that, but that they, they sh- that's not like that shouldn't replace an income statement, balance sheet, and cash flow. That doesn't replace QuickBooks um, and Zero. And you you need those things. Those things are fine in addition if it helps give you some additional insight, something on a more frequent than monthly basis. Like those things are great as an add-on, um, but it's not a replacement. And I mean, in terms of the connection tools, like there's Link My Books and Connect My Books that, that we're kind of testing out now, and we don't necessarily have anything bad against them. But you, again, you need that connecting tool. And one of the biggest mistakes. Um, non-e-commerce bookkeepers make and, and even some sellers make is they'll take the net that's deposited in their bank account and that'll be the top line of their income statement. And really, it's Amazon sales minus all the different fees and refunds or whatever. Um, that All that goes into your top line. And if you're not doing that, um, you're, you're not doing your books correctly. And the only way to properly do that without a ton of manual work is to have that connecting tool. Yeah, that, that was terrifying the first year I did Amazon. And I got that 1099 from them and it was like way higher than the revenue in my books because I did not take into consideration cancellations, refunds, any of that stuff. And Amazon reports on everything. Exactly. (laughs) That is not a fun thing to back into after the fact. (laughs) And it's one of the easiest ways to to figure out if your account and your bookkeeper really understand e-commerce. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, So, I'm also curious too, because we're talking about Amazon a bit. I know you ran a really successful Amazon business. You know, a lot of our, you know, clients that we have at Fetch and Funnel, a lot of our listeners probably have like multiple sort of like online marketplaces in a way, right? They're on Amazon, they have their own Shopify website, maybe they're on Etsy or or some other platforms as well. You know, do you feel like they should be getting everything into one set of books? Do you think it's nice to actually have them be separate? Cause like Amazon, maybe you're doing a bunch of FBA, maybe you're not, you know, like, and so for, you know, and again, like, I think this is more of a, 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 you know, we're talking about growing businesses and scaling businesses, you know, forget taxes and stuff like that, even though that's important, but that's more like confer, you know, talk with your CPA. I'm curious sort of how you look at that. And as you're working with so many clients across the board with this, like what, what do you usually recommend? Yeah. So it, part of it depends on how you set up your, your business, your LLC or whatever entity it is. Like if you have one LLC, you shouldn't have different QuickBooks for Amazon, Wayfair, Etsy, whatever. Um, it should all be one QuickBooks account. And it's a you don't want to have three different QuickBooks accounts that you have to put together at the end of the year. Um, at the same time, assuming that you do have one business that has everything in it and it's one QuickBooks account, segmentation is incredibly important. You want to know how much you're selling on, on Amazon US, Amazon Canada, Etsy, Walmart. Like You need to be able to make decisions based on numbers. And that's a trap that a lot of entrepreneurs fall into. They might be selling five products, but only one of them is profitable and they're wasting a lot of time and energy on the other four. Or they might be wasting a lot of time focused on Amazon Europe when Amazon US is crushing it and they shouldn't necessarily be doing that. So 
segmentation is incredibly important as well as just accrual bookkeeping. And Joe Valley from Quiet Light and Exitpreneur talks about this in his book. Like the, the way to actually make decisions is knowing you're is having accrual books to look at. You don't want to have $50,000 of inventory in January that shows a loss in January and February, March, and April look great when really that should be averaged out or broken out over a few months to see what you've actually made. And it's also going to help you if you ever do sell your business, get a proper evaluation um, or the maximum evaluation by having that accrual. So having your book segmented in the right way, depending on how many different brands and marketplaces that you have, um, but also making sure that they're in accrual basis opposed to cash is incredibly important. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And I, and I think those are good, like probably qualifying questions as you're, if, if you're looking for a bookkeeper, right? I mean, I'm assuming like a, a lot of bookkeepers are going to look at things differently. You just alluded towards, Hey, like here's some things that, you know, as you're talking with them, <laughs> that's a red flag. If they're not, if they don't know how to incorporate that stuff, you know, and I mean, you hit the nail on the head with sort of like, you should get someone pretty much from day one, because you can, you could find someone affordable to just reconcile books from the beginning, right? It shouldn't be difficult. And especially if you're e-commerce, all the connectors exist that someone's not manually entering this stuff, right? And so it, it, it should be fairly easy for them to do that. I guess like as someone's looking for a bookkeeper, you know, what, maybe what are some of those qualification things that they should be looking for making sure that they're making a right decision? Cause, cause I know you guys are doing a lot of that at Ecom yeah. balance and, and yeah. And, and vetting those. Yeah. I mean, you want to know what softwares they're going to use, what, what their plan is for, for income from different marketplaces and those connections. Um, a lot of, but what we talked about, what their plan is for, for cost of goods sold and inventory and accrual basis. Like those are, those are kind of the keys when it comes down to e-com or to e-com businesses. And I mean, the other side of it is like timing, like a bit, we did a ton of market research. We actually have a, a blog on our, our article on our blog where we interviewed like 200 e-commerce sellers before we launched Econ Balance. We wanted to know who the competitors were, what they, what the, who their, what their current setup was, what they liked, what they didn't like, and. There's a whole bunch of stuff on there, some of which we already talked about, but there's other stuff like not getting books on time every single month, which makes it hard for the entrepreneur um, to make decision or decision making or the ability to customize reports because every business is a little bit different. So those are things to just keep in mind. And, and I recommend people go to the Ecom Balance blog and you can kind of see our, our survey of, of what other e-commerce sellers say. And these are high level e-commerce sellers, a lot of which who have worked with two, three, four different bookkeepers over the course of their business before finally settling in either with us or, or someone else. And they kind of shared what they look for and what they like and what they don't like. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, so like, let's kind of talk about some really interesting stuff because i feel like you've 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 got some some you've got this awesome background of, of big amazon business and then you've now you've sold a company um you know e-com businesses maybe they're cranking maybe it's a little lifestyle business but most are trying to grow scale and potentially sell right and so now that you have sold and then you're also running all these you know books for all these other e-commerce businesses i'm curious like how should they be thinking about their books are there are there things that, you know, they, they, like you wish you knew ahead of time, right? I know every business is different, right? And, and every industry is different, but, you know, especially in the e-com world, like, what is that? Like, what are those, some of those golden nuggets that like you, you know, e-com businesses should know if they want to exit or anything like that, that they, you know, 
could have helped them, you know, potentially add a little bit of a multiplier or, or make things look better in their favor. I don't know the right way to ask it, but I think you yeah, know. No, you're good. And, and a lot of it, I mean, we asked for a lot of advice before we went through um, the selling process and, and our process was long. Like we had an initial phone call where they asked questions and we knew our numbers very well, which helped us because after that call and they saw our numbers, it matched exactly what was on our book. So Tip one is know your numbers. There's no better way to to break trust with a potential buyer than talking to them and really having no idea what you're talking about and everything you tell them doesn't match what was actually in the books. Um, due diligence was long. They were sending over lots of questions and some of the best advice that we had was do due, 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 due diligence on them as much as they're doing it on us. We wanted to make sure that we were selling it to good people who are going to honor their word. We weren't going to end up in a lawsuit down the line. They were going to pay us every penny they were going to take care of our team. They were going to continue to try to grow our brand. Like we wanted to know who we were selling to and what their experience was, especially if you're getting some kind of earnout, which a lot of these aggregators um, do. If, if you're selling to them, you want to know how good they are at operations, what, what background they have in e-commerce and, and scaling businesses, because a lot of what you're going to make down the line is dependent on their success. So you want to know what their past success and failures have been. And, and Mark Hargrove and David Martin, who um, bought our business, were great entrepreneurs that, that had a history of treating people well, which we really liked. And um, then get lawyers involved, hire a good attorney. Like that was the the most stressful part that took months is for, for us, it was the biggest moment of our life. For the two lawyers, it was just another Tuesday. So they have other clients, they've got other things they're dealing with and they're, they're trying to protect us and their lawyers trying to protect them. And no one's really at blame there, but there's a lot of back and forth to, to kind of be prepared with and and compromises that, that have to be made. So that that's kind of um, part of it there. The other side is just have accrual books and make sure that you know what can be deducted. I recommend Joe Valley's book, uh, Exit Entrepreneur. Stuff like conferences or masterminds or things that the new um, owner doesn't necessarily have to do, things that are not fundamental for the business, a lot of times you can deduct those and, and get a higher multiple. So if you're spending $50,000 a year just to make an even number and you're getting a three times multiple and you get to add that back, that's an extra $150,000 um, in your pocket when you go to get the sale. So stuff like that's important to consider um, before you, you really get into the weeds with someone. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and I think you brought up a really important point too, where, where you know you were implying that if someone's looking to sell their business, they should know their numbers. But I feel like you should know your numbers no matter what stage of business you're in, right? Because <laughs> I mean, you said it, you should be reviewing your books on a monthly basis. And you know, I feel like we've all become guilty of this, right? But and even some of our clients may may not even pay that much attention. They trust us as the media buyers. And we're like, hey, we're going to scale if we hit these targets. And they're like, yeah, do that. And then three months later, they're like, whoa, we're spending X amount. When did that happen? Right. And we're like, what do you mean? We've been sending you weekly reports. We're on calls with you every other week. We're talking about it. <laughs> right. And they just, yeah. they're not even paying attention to their own numbers and their, and their own books. Right. And um, I feel like that's so important that, that people should be paying attention to because it's going to allow you to make the right business decisions, pay attention to the right things. Uh, I just feel like that that's such yeah. a simple it, thing, it, but <laughs> even, even we're all guilty of it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's okay to hate doing bookkeeping. Like as an entrepreneur, that's okay. You shouldn't be taking courses on how to use QuickBooks. That's not a good use of your time, but you can't hate financials. Like you have to be able to sit down and go through an income statement, a balance sheet and a cash flow and make decisions on your business. That shouldn't be something that's ignored. You shouldn't be in the mentality that you hate numbers or you hate finances or anything like that. Um, it, it's kind of the 
the two unsexy parts of any business is the financials and, and hiring people. It's the things they, they don't teach you necessarily in business school, although I guess they teach you finances a little bit, but you have to be able to hire people or you won't succeed. And you have to be able to be on top of finances or you won't succeed. And everything else from PPC to launching new brands or whatever is a, is a bonus, but the finances and the hiring are key. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I feel like a lot of people are, are you know, I, I think it's even stuff that like some people aren't good at it and that's okay, but like make sure that your bookkeeper or your financial person can help you understand it or put together the report that makes sense for you. Like we see this time and time again with a bunch of our clients, like they don't even understand their cogs that well, or they don't even understand sort of their fixed costs versus their variable costs and how they should be thinking about their return on their ad spend or any of that stuff. And any good financial person could help you figure that stuff out when they know your books. And, you know, I would encourage you to just like ask for that help. Like as you're having that monthly call, like say, Hey, can I ask for a couple extra hours this month? And you put this other report together. It helps me kind of understand the, these metrics better. Like you don't have to hire a CFO to get this stuff. No, I agree. And I mean, the best way to get better at it is to have a monthly report send to you every month and go over it top to bottom and take notes of what your questions are and ask your bookkeeper. Um, and, and that's how you get better. If you do that eight months in a row, you're going to get a hundred times better at it. And um, we actually have a, a finance agenda uh, packet that you can get on the Econ Balance site. And this is the same meeting that my business partner and I have done every month for the past six years. It's how we go through it, what we look for, how we make decisions off of it. And the, the, the best way to improve is to just do it every month. And you might not master it in the first three months, but if you're looking at your business numbers every single month, Chances are down the line, you're going to really understand your numbers. And if you talk to a potential buyer, you're going to really understand your numbers because you're looking at it every single month and you're going to look for red flags and good numbers and what's going on there. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, we're talking about some of the, the best ways you should do stuff. I feel like we've touched upon a couple different mistakes that people commonly make, right? Some of the obvious ones, accrual versus cash, things like that, right? I think you alluded as well towards, um, you know, I don't remember how you worded it, but like, you know, people should be really checking on like, what are the best sellers and what's happening there, right? For reordering purposes and, and everything else, marketing and everything else. Right. But I'm curious, just what are like some of those, you know, top mistakes that you see people making, um, you know, and, and I'm curious, you know, in maybe less of like a bookkeeping, you know, process, which I think you could definitely touch on, which is, which would be good to know, but even like for people to make good business decisions or even, you know, help move their business forward. Yeah. Make, makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of touched upon the, the mistakes from bookkeeping side from a, a business side. I'm always skeptical of businesses that like don't make more money as they grow. And I think a lot of people don't realize that there are added costs as you get bigger. And a lot of people are, are focused on the social media numbers where they're posting, Hey, I got a seven figure business or whatever, but there are times where you can run a much more profitable business at 500,000 than you can at 1.5 million because you have to hire more staff, you have more overhead, um, whatever it is. So we're always very aware of our margins. And if as your business is growing, your margins are starting to go down, that's like one of the earliest red flags that, that something needs to change. And there's different ways to, to affect your margins, whether it's um, lowering ad costs or just um, getting cheaper products or whatever it is. Um, but that's something that you want to focus on because I've seen a lot of businesses that'll get bigger and bigger, but they're making less money over time. And, and that's not the point of anything. So profit and margin is still the, the king over everything else. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I'm, 
I think, you know, along those lines, I'm curious too, because we get this question a lot and, and like, we're just, you know, we're just our client's agency. We should, we're, we, we, we're, we shouldn't be the ones making business, business decisions for them, <laughs> but they still come to us asking for business advice. Right. And, and I'm curious, like, for a dropshipper, it's it's easy, right? Your books are very straightforward, and it's it's not a difficult thing to to understand, right? But a business who's maybe doing FBA or they're manufacturing their own products, I feel like a lot of times maybe you know maybe they're not really using lines of credit or they're not really borrowing or anything like that, and they just want to continue growing the business just with profit, which is great, right? That's a great way to grow your business if you don't want to you know use leverage, uh, but I'm curious, you know, as people are thinking about that stuff or making those changes, you know, how, what's a great way for them to be looking at their books as it relates to like, okay, I'm about to make a hundred thousand dollar purchase order. My books are going to look negative because I haven't sold any of that product that I'm not going to receive. I had to pay it today, but I'm not going to receive it, you know, for how long? And then I'm not achieving profitability on any of that stuff, but I kind of want to use my profit now to make those that purchase decision. You know, how do you how do you kind of look at that, and and how do you you know encourage clients or, or help them kind of make those decisions if you do? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we we have partners that do a lot of that stuff, so so we we definitely don't encourage people or not encourage people to take out lines of credit. A lot of it depends on the business model. Like we have an eight figure seller who's incredibly seasonal and they use credit very creatively, but they also negotiate really good terms for their vendors, which can be um, equally as important. We've got another um, potential client who's a friend of mine who has a lot of vendors that he sells to that he's not on the best terms with um, in terms of having a wait to get paid. Um, and that can be a difficult spot to be in and you have to run that, the business with credit. I can tell you me personally, which is the only way that I can speak of, um, I don't like going to sleep at night owing people money. So that kind of stuff is not um, necessarily my my avenue. Like I bootstrapped all my companies with five ten thousand dollars and that's more of a personal preference of how I like doing things. I don't really like having mortgages on property that I own. Like I'm kind of a, a debt-free guy, which I know the the, the Grant Cardones of the world or whoever would, would disagree with. And, and I'm fine with that. Um, but e-com is a, is a different animal. Like there, there, there are times where it's necessary to, to really scale and ramp up a business. And especially if you're running a seasonal business, especially if you're buying a lot of inventory up front, that that has to be a real option. And you should be exploring different purchases, different partners, um, different agreements, different terms. You should always be trying to get better terms and, and upgraded. And, and that's definitely not something that we necessarily advise people on other than if someone is interested in credit, we have partners that we work with that I've known for years that that hook people here hook our clients up. Are you saying we don't have enough time to talk about Dave Ramsey versus Grant Cardone on this? I know, today? right? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, super great advice. And I, yeah, I mean, I think that's super important. You, you're you're bringing up interesting ways to to <laughs> yeah, I mean get more profitability, you know, use cash to your advantage, all those types of things. Um, I mean, going super high level, I'm curious, just, you know, as you've been a successful entrepreneur, you've exited companies, you're growing another new company, you know, what advice just would you give other entrepreneurs or, or other business owners? Yeah. So the way that, that I like to grow businesses is 
get do a lot of market research and then get the minimum viable product out there as quickly as possible. So with, with Amazon, um, I, I didn't really do that, but I, I kind of did. I mean, I was dropshipping products. It was very low risk. After I dropshipped my first 10 products in my head, I'm thinking if I get 10 negative reviews, I'm shutting this down and I'm trying something else. And with FreeUp, we, we launched it with a very minimum software that did very little before we invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into the software before we even sold anything. And we proved that we could get sales and get clients and keep clients happy before we started to double down and really invest in the business. And Outsource School, we launched a course. If the first few people hated the course, we would just refund them and move on to something else. And with Econ Balance, we interviewed 200 plus e-commerce sellers. Um, we launched with a beta round where we gave 20 clients two free months of bookkeeping and used them to break everything and, and get a good process down and give us feedback. And if that didn't go well, we'd move on to something else. Luckily, it did go well. And we continue to listen to feedback and, and improve the software, the portal, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm always skeptical of people that are like, I need $500,000 and then I'll start doing something. It's like, no, go out there and prove whatever it is that you're trying to prove and everything else will follow after that. But prove there's actually a market, prove that people like your minimum viable product. And from there, you can get funding or, or go in whatever direction you want. And I think that's why I got very frustrated in the entrepreneur scene of Florida because it was just a lot of people asking for money without actually going out and trying to do whatever they were trying to do instead of just going out and proving it. And if you have a good market and a good product or a good service, like there's plenty of ways to, to get funding afterwards, but you got to be able to, to prove it up front. Yep. Yeah. You, that That's, that's great advice. I mean, I, I literally got it yesterday. It was the weirdest thing. A, a, a guy from Miami called me he said he wanted to start a marketing agency, so he was calling other marketing agencies for donations to help him start it. <laughs> I was like, dude, I, I bootstrapped my company. You don't need to do that. What are you trying to do? And he's like, I'm trying to buy a truck to do billboard advertising. And I was like, go to all the empty billboards in Miami, which I'm sure there's a bunch Find out what they want for those billboards. Renegotiate that by saying, hey, I'll get you 10 billboards booked for half the cost. Then go cold call or knock on doors to sell those billboards to other businesses. Charge double so that now you're making 50%. They're just paying what they would have originally paid for that billboard anyways. And then take that money and go buy your truck. And and it was exactly what you just said, right? And and I couldn't believe it. But yeah, I mean, it is you hit the nail on the head. You have to make sure that, you know, have that proof of concept, make sure it works. There's so many ways to do that in the e-com world. It's not even funny. And, you know, and I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs also get stumped by, especially in the e-com world, thinking they have to do like really big purchase orders, or they're not going to be able to manufacture on their own or all that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's, that's also kind of a, a, a missed opportunity that like, that just kind of isn't true depending on, you know, depending on what they're trying to make, obviously. But yeah. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. Um, it's never been easier to start a business. I mean, it's 2022 and we're recording this. Like you don't need, like you don't have an office. I don't have an office. Um, actually opening up an office for my Amazon business was probably the worst business decision I ever made. So it's never been easier to, to start a business and prove a Prove there's a market for something, whether it's a product or a service, um, before you just invest your life savings or go crazy with it. Yep, you got it. So I see a bunch of really great books in the background. You mentioned a really good book earlier. I'm curious, last question, anything that you've been reading that's real good recently that you'd recommend? 
Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Exitpreneur, which is uh, Joe Valley's book, strongly recommended. I mean, this guy's been in the M&A space for, for years. And I mean, if you're an e-commerce business that potentially wants to sell in the future, or even better, set up your business to be sellable so you have options, um, that's just a, a great book to check out. Joe Valley's a great guy. Connect with him on social media. One of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, I'm always very uh, thankful for people that were super nice to me when I was really small and a nobody before I we exited free up. And he's definitely falls into that, that category. So um, check out his book, Exitpreneur. I think it's just exitpreneur.com. You can go grab a copy. Um, and yeah, follow Joe Valley. He's a good guy in the space. And and I think you just lo- just gave a little like very good tidbit there too, where actually a lot of these people are very approachable. Like, I, I you know, it's like I've read these books where they even encourage people to reach out to them and, and ask questions or, you know, hit them up and they even give their email address in the book and stuff like that. And I feel like you, you hit the nail on the head with that, right? Like just, just reach out to people too. Like, I feel like it's just something that we, we forget because we're all super busy. We assume everybody else is super busy, right? But like you, you really should be just, you know, and, and the people that you think are like really high up and making tons of money, sometimes they're more approachable than the guys that aren't making <laughs> as much money um, because they, you know, they want to give advice and, and maybe they do have more free time or whatever it is. So yeah, I feel like you gave a little, little good golden nugget there too. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I do every morning is try to network with five new people and you'll get ignored, you'll get rejected. Some people will be busy, but um, if you're just doing it consistently, you never know people that you're going to meet and they could be a partner or a client. You could help them. Like you never know what's going to happen. I'm not talking about pitching people. I'm talking about like really trying to network and get to know other people in your space. And if you're listening and you're an e-commerce seller, let's say you're selling bar products, Go try to meet everyone in the, the bar industry, every different manufacturer or retailer or people with a blog on bars or podcasts. I'm sure there's bar podcasts. Like, Just start to network with other people in the space. You, you never know how that's going to help you in the future. Great advice. Well, Nathan, I feel like you, you gave a, a bunch of really great info here, a ton of great advice for people to be paying attention to and, and thinking about. I really appreciate the time. Uh, can people find you to connect with you online? Uh, yeah, go to ecombalance.com, mention this podcast, get two free months of bookkeeping. You can also grab our, our, fi- our monthly finance agenda there if you want. And feel free to connect with me, Nathan Hirsch, on any social media channel. I'm, I'm pretty active there. And um, yeah, just appreciate you having me on. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to, to partnering with you going forward. Me as well. Thanks again, Nathan. Awesome to have you on the podcast. Samir El Kamuni here. Thank you so much for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders podcast. If you are a successful brand that is crushing it and would like to be on this program, please visit go.ecomgrowthleaders.com/podcast-guest. If you got something out of this interview, please share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on social. Ecom Growth Leaders is sponsored by Fetch and Funnel, a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. We've partnered with 100 plus brands and generated over 500 million for clients using our trademarked Fetch and Funnel method. There's tons of content over our, at our blog, fetchfunnel.com blog. 
and also some amazing ebooks like How to Crush Your Competitors and How to Produce High Converting Creative. Thanks again for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and it means a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, fetchfunnel.com, or follow us on social. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>